0: I turn with you to Matthew chapter 14 this morning. Again, I'm in a series of sermons on the, the life of Peter, events in uh, the Gospels uh, the, where we find Peter and uh, circumstances in his life. And uh, this morning we're dealing with the familiar text from Matthew 14 where Jesus walks on the water, but Peter also. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Let's hear God's word. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves. For the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. And said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And one of the good things you've done for us is give us your word. Father, so often we take it for granted, we neglect it. But I pray, oh Father, that you would help us to treasure it. It might be a delight to us. We might know its value. It might be to us a source of strength and courage and hope and life and peace and joy. And I pray for that today, that we might, as we look at this text, find great Comfort and peace. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the story of uh, Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking on the water has long been uh, a story of, of great interest and of fascination to the people of God. Can you even imagine what it would have been like to have done what Peter did here? Can you even imagine? trying to walk on water. You know, this story has also been the inspiration of some of the hymns of the church. I'm sure at some point in your Christian experience, you grew up in the church in particular, you have uh, sung the old gospel hymn, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. This text describes an event that gives us a real glimpse, I think, into the heart and mind of the Apostle Peter. Sometimes we see Peter at his best, and sometimes we see Peter at his worst. And I think we see a little bit of both in Peter here. Peter's now been with Jesus for at least a period of months. The time frame is not... Uh, exact for us. You might recall last week from Luke 5, we saw that Jesus called Peter and some of his companions and they left their fishing business. In fact, they left everything to follow Jesus. Now, in the meantime, uh, Jesus has appointed or called 12 men to be his apostles, to be the kind of the closest of his followers, to be uh, those to whom he would invest himself the most, and Peter was one of those, they've heard Jesus teach, they've seen Jesus perform miracles. You don't really hear a lot about Peter, however, until we come to this text here in Luke 5. First, I want us to consider the context or simply the setting of what we find here in this passage. It took place, if you look above it, in verses 13 through 21, it took place right after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, you've got to understand, that miracle caused as much, if not more, of a stir among the people than any other miracle Jesus performed. That's partly because I think it was performed in front of so many people, with such a a vast crowd that witnessed it, and so many people were benefited by it. They they all received the benefit of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now John tells us in his gospel that right after that miracle, the people wanted to take Jesus by force and to make him their king and they wanted to do that as a result of that miracle who wouldn't want to have a king who could turn a little boy's sack lunch into a vast fellowship meal but Jesus wasn't impressed by that in fact what struck Jesus was how badly the people misunderstood the purpose of his ministry Jesus was distressed here He is distressed because the people have so badly missed the point, the point of his ministry in general and the point of that miracle in particular. And to be honest with you, Jesus just needed to get away from it all for a bit. Jesus needed a break. And so the text says he went up on a mountain to pray, to spend some time alone, just him and his heavenly Father. And the text indicates That Jesus literally had to force the disciples to leave him alone so we could have that time by himself. Verse 22 says, immediately, that is right after the the feeding of the 5,000, right after that miracle, right after the people have tried to take him by force and make him their king, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That word made there is a forceful word, it's a powerful word. It means to compel someone. Some translations use the word constrain. And what you read behind the scenes is these men, these 12, did not want to leave Jesus. They had become very secure in Jesus' presence. And they did not want to be separated from him. They wanted to cling to him, it seems. And so Jesus made them, he compelled them, he forced them to get in the boat, go ahead to the other side of the sea so he could have this much-needed time alone. And then when you come to verse 23, there's this very tranquil and peaceful situation to describe. Just listen to it, verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Verse 23 is almost a big sigh of relief. As you find Jesus experiencing a respite, not just from the pressures of ministry, from the misunderstanding of the people. They misunderstood the point of his ministry. Well, second, we see a problem that arose in the text. A problem arose for Peter and the other disciples who were with him in the boat going across the lake. You see, while Jesus was in this peaceful and tranquil uh, time experiencing prayer and meditation with the Heavenly Father, uh, the, the disciples were caught in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now that body of water, this the, the lake or the Sea of Galilee, uh, is known for its uh, turbulent uh, water. It's, it's kind of surrounded by hills on both sides. And when a front comes in, like we had a front come in this morning, when a front comes in, the the winds will come down over those hills and uh, stir up the water, and those storms cause the the water to become very uh, turbulent, uh, very quickly and the water of the Sea of Galilee could become very rough and very dangerous uh, in a moment's notice. And I mentioned last Sunday that Carol and I took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee when we went on our trip to Israel some years ago. Now fortunately, uh, the water was calm that day. <laughs> I say fortunately in part because I was sick that day. And it was—if the water had been rough, I'd been in real trouble. But uh, fortunately, uh, the the waters were calm, and even though I was sick, I was determined uh, to make that uh, trip because that little boat ride was what I've been looking to forward to the most about our our trip to Israel. But uh, here, the water is not calm, and and the verse twenty verse twenty four tells us the boat was already a long distance from land it's in the middle of the lake it's being battered by the waves and the winds were contrary against it now I want you to catch again that sharp contrast that we find between verse 23 and verse 24 verse 23 Jesus is at peace he's having this time alone with his heavenly father in verse 24 the disciples are in a panic they are caught In this violent storm on the Sea of Galilee, Uh, it says they're in the middle of the lake. The lake's about seven miles wide, and so they're probably about three miles from land. And I want you also notice the text says that it happened in the what's called the fourth watch of the night. In verse twenty-five, and in the fourth watch of the night, uh, Jesus came to them. Uh, The 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 night back then was divided up into they called them four watches. Today we would call them shifts when the security guards would change duty. And basically ran from sunset to sunrise. The first watch was from six PM to nine PM, the second watch from nine PM to midnight, the third watch from midnight to three AM, and the fourth watch from three AM to six AM. We're in the fourth watch, which is, you know, it's probably three to five in the morning. Uh, I would imagine well third we do see Jesus coming to the rescue now this is one of those unreal scenes that we find in the Bible but you know why it seems so unreal to us is because it shows us the deity of Christ don't forget that Jesus was God in the flesh He was the God-man. And therefore, he had both a human nature and a divine nature. So that means that sometimes Jesus acted very human. And he did some very human and very ordinary things. But because he was divine, sometimes Jesus did some very extraordinary things. Things that we wouldn't think that a human being could do. They were miraculous things. See, the Bible is God's story. It's the story of what God has done for his people. And so the Bible is full, again, of what we call today God things. Whether it's creation, in the space of six days by the word of his power, where it's a universal flood, where where there is the parting of the Red Sea, whether it is the son standing still. Whether it is a virgin birth. Whether it is calling Lazarus who's been dead for four days out of the grave. Or whether it is Jesus' resurrection. All of these things are a reflection of God being at work. And what we find in the miraculous things of Jesus is the presence of God with him, the deity of Christ, his divine nature showing forth. And so what did Jesus do here? Verse 25 tells us that again, during that fourth watch of the night, he came to them, and he came to them walking on the sea. You see, not only is there the miracle of Jesus walking on the sea, there's also another miracle here. Something that no human could do. Somehow in His divine nature, Jesus, from His place there on that mountain, in quiet meditation and prayer with His Father, was aware of the dire circumstances of the disciples in that storm on the Sea of Galilee. And somehow, in His divine nature, Jesus is able... To go from one place to the other, that in itself was a miraculous thing. The Bible doesn't explain to us how that happened; it just tells us that it did. In the fourth of Watchers' night, He came to them, and He came to them walking on the sea. Well, this is another place where you just kind of have to put yourself in the place of the people involved, where you got to got to put yourself in Peter's place and the place of the other disciples here they are in a boat in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night and they're caught in a storm and that boat is being battered by the winds and the waves and you know how it is at night when it's cloudy in particular and you're off in a isolated place like the middle of a lake, folks, it was dark. It was dark. And, you know, sure, darkness is terrifying enough in and of itself, isn't it? And yet, in the midst of this havoc, and this darkness, this danger, the disciples look up and they see this surreal sight of someone walking across the water. Look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. That's probably one of those understatements in the Bible. You know, they were scared. Put whatever whatever word you can find to describe absolute sheer terror. And that's where you find these disciples they are terrified terrified enough by the storm itself but not terrified by the sight of this figure this person whatever it is walking on the water you know the last time they saw Jesus he was on the mountain they had no idea at this point this was him their first assumption was that this was some sort of ghost like figure. So, again, don't underestimate what's going on here. Sometimes you just got to kind of meditate on it for a minute, think about it, and kind of put yourself there. These disciples are very, very frightened. And the text even says, into verse 26, they cried out with fear. I don't know who they thought was going to hear them. Maybe it was a cry of prayer. But they're crying out in fear because of their desperate situation in this storm and this, this ghost that has appeared in front of them. And in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their terror, Jesus calls out to them. And he said in verse 27. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. You see, Jesus had not come to scare them. He came to comfort them. He he didn't come to make them full of terror. He came to give them courage. And the text says, immediately, when he became aware of their terror and their fear, he spoke and he said, Look, It is I. Take courage. Do not be afraid. And then fourth, we see here an insight, I think, into Peter's personality. You know, Peter was impetuous. He was a reactionary. He was impulsive. And so when he heard Jesus speak... He said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if that really is you out there, if that really is you, then allow me to come to you walking on the water. Now, it's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it, exactly what was going on in Peter's mind. I don't want know what Peter expected that figure, that object uh, to say. I know he's afraid. We all do odd things when we're afraid but this was really an odd thing for Peter to say Lord if that really is you walking on the water then you allow me to come to you walking on the water myself now Jesus' response in verse 26 was simple direct and profound he simply said come they would say come on Now, this is a rather tense moment and a rather tense situation. In the midst of all the drama here, and this is a dramatic passage with this violent storm in the middle of the night and the the apostles caught in this boat in the storm, the boat in danger of sinking because of the storm, you have this intense encounter between Peter and Peter in Jesus you need to understand Peter has basically issued Jesus a challenge here look if that really is you if you're telling us the truth then you prove it and the proof is that you will enable me to walk to you, do the same thing you're doing to walk on the water well you gotta give Peter credit he did what Jesus said He swung his legs out over the boat and he stood up and he began to walk. Amazingly, Peter was able to stand on the water. And the text tells us, Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Apparently, the image, at least, I have in my mind from the text is that, is that Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus. He was mesmerized by the appearance of this ghost-like character who identified himself as Jesus. And as he was fixed on Jesus, Peter was able to do the impossible He was able to walk on the water. But, before he got there, somewhere between the boat and Jesus, it appears, Peter began to ask himself, what in the world am I doing out here? Because the text says in verse 31, he saw the wind. He had been looking at Jesus. And now it appears that he looked around him and he began to realize, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. And he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. As long as he fixed his mind on Jesus, fixed his eyes on Jesus, he was able to live above the storm. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the circumstances he began to sink. And there's a life lesson in that for us, isn't there? You know, none of us have been called and I can guarantee you, you won't be called to walk on the water in the midst of a storm. But we all go through storms of life, don't we? It's just a part of living. Life is hard. And becoming a Christian doesn't Take away the hardness of life. It just gives you the strength to deal with those hard things in life. We all go through stormy times of life. And much like Peter, the only way we can make it through those times of storm is to fix our eyes upon Jesus and to draw, as Jesus says, our courage from Him. Do not be afraid. It is I. Take courage. And the way that you can have courage and not be afraid and the storms that come upon you in life is by doing the same thing Peter did and that is fixing your eyes upon Jesus. Drawing your strength and your hope and your courage from Him. But I guarantee you, the moment you take your eyes off Jesus and you look at your circumstances, you say, Woe is me. This is a bad predicament idea. your faith will fall. And you'll begin to sink. And when Peter began to sink, he cried out in desperation into verse 30. Lord, save me. And so Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of Peter, and lifted him up. And then he said to Peter in verse 31 you of little faith why did you doubt? Now which one of us in here is going to call Peter in this text a man of little faith? I'm not going to call Peter a man of little faith. He's like a man of a lot of faith to me. Had more faith than I would have. I'm not sure I would have Put my feet over the edge of the boat. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It didn't look like you could stand on it to me. Jesus is never impressed with temporary faith. Oh, he had the faith to step out on the water, but he didn't have the faith to continue to look to Jesus. And he took his eyes off the source of his strength and the off source of his courage, and he looked at his circumstances, and that's when Peter's faith fell. And that's when he began to sink into the water. Then there's a fifth thing here. And that's Peter's response to what had happened. You know the scene shifts in verse thirty two when you come to verse 32 Jesus and Peter have gotten back in the boat and when they did the text says the wind stopped and I'm sure there was this huge sigh of relief that swept over these apostles when they knew two things one is Jesus really was there and the storm really had stopped And they said to Jesus in verse 33 you are certainly God's son. The response to what Jesus did was a response of worship and a declaration of his deity. They had seen a clear picture of Jesus' divine nature and they worshipped him because of it. Now you need to understand that coming to grips with who Jesus was was a was a process for these men. The more they heard from Jesus, and the more they saw in Jesus, the more they understood about Jesus. You know, we saw last week Peter get a real lesson in Jesus' power and knowledge, didn't we? Where you know he took him, told him to go out in the middle of the lake in the middle of the day, put down his nets, worst place to fish, worst time to fish and they caught all these fish and and Peter's response was depart from me O Lord for I am a sinful man he got a glimpse of the deity of Jesus there and the same thing happens here and it's a similar response, worded differently but similar, the people worshipped and they said to Jesus you are certainly God's Son. Now I want to draw a couple of lessons from this text as I close. I want you to remember that Jesus always has the power to calm storms. Physical storms, God's in charge of the the weather, and when you're in a violent storm physically and you pray for God to protect you, never forget God and his son Jesus have the power to do that but spiritually speaking he has the power to calm the storms in your life now again we all go through stormy times don't we and some of you may be in those times right now where it just seems like life is is one chaotic event after another Where your life almost seems to be spinning out of control. That you're not sure what another day is going to bring. And you're just trying to hang on for dear life. I want you to know this morning that, that Jesus can calm that storm. And that He can bring peace into your life. He can stop the wind. He can stop the howling. He can make the waters of your life calm and peaceful again. But sometimes He doesn't choose to do that. Sometimes it's not God's will to calm the storm sometimes it's His will to bring you through the storm. And I want you to know that God can do that too. And if you pray, and you pray that God would calm the storm, and it doesn't calm, don't think that you don't have enough faith, or God is not listening, or God doesn't keep His promises. You realize that God has a different plan. And if he continues the storm, he will continue to be there with you. To give you the strength and the courage that you need to make it through. But the important thing to realize is whether we're in the storm or not, the important thing is to keep our eyes upon Jesus. And, and to look to him. If you don't get anything else out of this text in this sermon this morning. You get that. That The most important thing for you and for me as believers as we live our lives every day is to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. To realize that He is our source of strength and courage and hope and the moment we take our eyes off of Him our faith will fall because He is the object of our faith, the strength of our faith. And as long as we look to Him, we can continue to live by faith. That is the key to every situation of life. You remember Hebrews 12 tells us this, that we're to, to run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I guarantee you, he will either calm the storm or He'll give you the strength to make it through the storm because He's the Lord of the storms. The sovereign God over all of life. You can trust Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for Peter. Father, we see so much good in Him. You know, sometimes so much of ourselves that's not so good. But thank you that you were patient with Peter and you restored him, you lifted him up from the water. Father, thank you that you restore our faith when we begin to fall. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus draw our strength, our hope, our courage from him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.